Welcome to the Trailer Cast with Elise Snipes. Each week, I will be sharing with you from inside my vintage trailer where I work as a therapist and share some of my musings on the human experience. I am endlessly fascinated and inspired by people. I love being a therapist and I'm deeply grateful for the intimate and beautiful work I get to do. I believe we are wildly capable of healing and making this world a better place, and this is my attempt at doing that. Sharing beauty to invoke beauty. May you find yourself inside these stories and ponderings and be better for it. Cheers. On this episode, I want to talk about healing. I want to talk about how it happens, what it looks like, feels like, the direct process in the office, and the kind of the indirect process that happens in the space between. If I were to describe what the work of therapy is, I really think it's most closely related to healing. It's a deep interpersonal sense of everything is going to be all right. I am going to be all right. I am all right. And maybe even more than that, I am good. Because isn't this the question we are ultimately asking ourselves? This is the work of intimacy or vulnerability, transparency, connection, attachment, whatever vernacular you use to speak to the space between us. There are questions there in the space. Do you see me? Is what you see good? Or the space between me and my greater than? Am I good? In my depths, am I okay? Am I lovable, worthy, seen, understood, adored? On some deep human level, we are craving this and trying to answer it through all sorts of creative ways. People-pleasing, working ourselves to death, lacking boundaries, getting stuck in perfectionism, getting after that Pinterest mom life, social media fallacy and comparison, We are trying to put something into the space between us and others that says, this is how I want you to see me. And maybe if they buy it, it'll be true. So let's take this to some developmental beginning. When we are growing up and we practice this form of self-expression, you know, reflecting ourselves for others to see, usually this happens in our family of origin. And the ideal scenario is that we have accurate mirrors reflecting back this sense of truth giving us this true perception that I see you and you are good. And not all of us have this. And in some families, it can feel more like being at the carnival trapped in that fun house of mirrors where all your reflections are manipulated and contorted. And now if you can imagine that this is how you first learned to see yourself, if the mirror you always looked into reflected back this thing that didn't feel like you, but sure enough, there it is. And so you think it has to be you. And so you spend some good years trying to contort yourself to fit the reflection in the mirror, trying to gain some power or change over what you see. But it will be fruitless, of course, because it's not you that's wrong. It's the mirror. Does that resonate with you in any way? Maybe it wasn't your family of origin Maybe it was a relationship you entered into where you felt this pervasive sense of being misunderstood. Or maybe it's work, where no matter what you do, you feel like you're not enough. Oh, and it could for sure be parenting, where the mirror is your children and they are an awful and inaccurate reflection of you, but it is what you see and so you believe it. You believe that you're not a good parent. 
What is it for you? What is the question in your in-between space? And what if instead of asking it of others, you asked it of yourself? You see, people, they can take these questions to therapy and sometimes in very obvious ways. When someone is coming in to deal with their grief, the questions are this. Was it my fault? Is there something I could have done? Or if it's a failed relationship, is it me? Sometimes our questions are big and clunky and weigh on us in physical ways, restricting words from coming forward, the lump in our throats. Sometimes the questions are more covert, coming from some low-level sense of loneliness, of not belonging anywhere to anyone. Does anyone want me? And hopefully in therapy, you get to work through these questions. And so let's talk about that direct approach. A therapist can give you direct feedback, point out the maladaptive thinking patterns and objectively send you on your way. And this is helpful. It's measurably helpful. But there's more. And this is where the magic comes in. Let me tell you about an experience that I had this week. I had this sweet young mom come in for her phobia of throwing up. And we had been preparing to do some work of EMDR together. And so we were going through the usual pattern of questions and working our way through the origin of this fear, the memories associated with it, how it presents in her life now, and how she would like to be able to deal with it in the future. You know, very specifically, I asked her, what is the negative belief she has when she thinks about this phobia? And she responded, I am not in control. That is what was most terrifying, that I am not in control. And when I asked her, what would you prefer to believe about yourself regarding this fear? She said, I am in control. I want to believe that I am, in fact, in control. And that makes sense, right? You know, sometimes the way an injury comes in, it has to go back out in an opposite way. You know, if I believe A, then I need to believe B in order to have healing. This is direct simple, linear, and it's helpful. This would have been enough for her reprocessing and ultimate healing of this phobia. So listen to what happened. As we used EMDR to process her fear, she felt her immediate symptoms relieve and that negative belief of I am not in control dissipate. And when I asked her, if the positive belief she wants to have that I am in control, if that still fit, she said through streaming tears, no, no, it is not I am in, in control. It is I am not in control and I am free. You know, we sat there in the thickness of that space. The work of healing goes beyond what we expect. It goes beyond what we hope for ourselves. This is the greater than moment when what we hope for ourselves and healing gets demolished by deep beauty. When the healing we hope to have is obliterated in a truth we aren't capable of making up because it is beyond us. And when it shows up in the form of a thought an emotion, the goosebumps, ancient uncried tears, you know it. This was that moment this week where we got to share space with the greater than. 
And I love it. I love when therapy magic is surprising, almost sneaky. When the road of healing we are already on is good. And then out of nowhere, it is great. I love it so much. Therapy is participatory. You know, we are both on this journey trying to get to some new territory. You know, sometimes it feels the same way as it does when I get to be with my grandma, my sweet and spicy grandma, who is blind. And so I have to make sure the path in front of her is clear. I let her know when the texture of the ground in front of us is changing from sidewalk to grass or from street to curb. I place a plate in front of her and tell her that the chicken is to the right at 3 o'clock, the potatoes at 6, veggies at 11. I let her know I already cut everything and I place the fork in her hand. Sometimes throughout the course of dinner, I move her glass so she doesn't spill it, or I brush off pieces of food that have fallen and she can't see. I want her to look as beautiful as she feels. And when I tell her about the kids, I explain that the boys are like puppies, constantly underfoot and bickering. I put her hand on their heads and let her feel their hair and tell her the specific blends of brown and gold that are there. And Eden, God, and I tell her about Eden, I bring her in real close and let her squeeze Eden's squishy thighs and we wait for her to giggle for it to come tumbling out like a waterfall of glitter that fills the room. And I tell her she is wild in all the right ways. I give her the experience. I orient her to where we are. I go in front of her, around her, behind her, beyond her, so that right where she is is good. This is what therapy feels like. Clearing the road in front of you letting you know there is tough terrain in front of us, reminding you of where things are, trying to put words to things you can't see yet, hoping you will keep letting me lead you because when you see them too, man, it will be so good. And it is good for both of us to get to lead you like that and to get to see you in all these spaces. It makes for a more fuller, picture or an accurate picture, a truer understanding of the journey and the sojourner. So when I look at you and say, well done, you know I mean it. Or if I say, you stepped in shit, you know I am telling you the truth and I won't just point it out, I'll help you clean it off. You see, when people come into therapy with their questions and burdens and memories and fears and that space between us feels full and deep and chaotic, and I can feel this anxiety mounting, this tension rising inside them, and they want to just emotionally purge, to rid themselves of whatever burden, injury, or memory they have been holding. And I often feel that I'm trying to temper that speed. I want to pace the disclosures so that you can be present with the work you're doing. Because you see, it's natural to want to escape, avoid, disconnect from the trauma that has occurred. And we often do that when the trauma itself is actually happening. And so then when you come to the work of healing, we have to go back and pick up a connection to the experience in order to move it out both cognitively and emotionally. 
And I'll tell you, people get all sorts of creative when it comes to ways in which to separate from trauma or pain. And these are skills. This is resiliency. And this is what we do so we don't die. It's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Food rituals, eating counterclockwise around the plate, creating a rule or ritual in our pattern of eating, holding our breath, a dissociative eye glance where when we get to an intense part of our story, we always look to the bottom left or to the top right. These out-of-body memories, rules that will keep us safe. If I go to bed past midnight, that thing won't happen. And a lot of the time, these things develop in childhood at the time of the trauma. And so the rules can feel somewhat childish. They are subconscious. And I'm going to tell you, it is pure creativity to listen to what someone has developed to feel safe. If I don't let my food touch, maybe my parents won't fight tonight. If I count all the steps I take with my left foot, she won't hit me today. And remember, this is subconscious. Now, I often refer to this as grace, this magical buffer that protects us from what is too much. It is grace that we don't have to feel all our pain at once and find these super creative ways to avoid it until we are ready to deal with it. And so we temper, and this is on purpose. I am controlling the flow of the story so that it doesn't escape you. And if it rushes out of you, you might miss something you needed from that experience. The skill I am working on helping my person achieve is increasing their window of tolerance. Building emotional constancy or the sense of confidence that I can tell the story, that I am here and now and that was then and there, that this did not overtake me, that I have lived beyond this and that yes, This horrific thing happened, but it is not me, and I am here to tell it as it is. Not minimizing it, not blowing it up, not brushing it off, and not making my bed in it. Just letting it flow in a way that allows for an emotional connection to the words you use to let others into that space between. And so we flow. I want people to connect emotionally to their thinking or to connect cognitively to their emotions. You know, sometimes I have people that are cerebral that come in. They're so cognitively strong and they have used their knowledge as a way to process through the hard thing. They can tell me the worst of things. And I am telling you things that would make your flesh curl if I repeated them. And they tell me them like they're just reading me their grocery list. This is disconnection. And when that person comes in, we slow it way down until there is some thread of connection to the emotions that this person had when the injury was occurring. And so eventually that thread becomes a tether, a handle, a solid grip, a cohesive union, a coming with, so that there aren't all these fragmented pieces of self shoved into different compartments within. And people, sometimes when they come in, they almost want to do the work aggressively. It's like they want me to be hard on them or just rip off the band-aid or get right to it. Or how about this? Could you just skip over all the psychology mumbo jumbo and fix this? (laughs) The process is the product. In therapy, 
The process is the product. And this is the indirect process. This is what happens while we are doing something else. That while we are working on your grief, there is some magic, some indirect sense of connection, this belief that tends to trickle in that says, I will get through this. Another word on process. The way of healing should be gracious. Okay, when we are working with people that are learning We don't shove boundaries down their throat or force them to see goodness in themselves. I mean, it sounds preposterous, doesn't it? See, process has to be natural. It has to be tempered, has to flow so that it is less something that the therapist is giving the client and more an experience that we get to have together that is greater than both of us. Sidebar, there is a difference between the work of therapy for healing trauma and the work of therapy for personal growth or something that is less complex. And sometimes that does feel a little more hurried or a little more sudden. You know, it's like when you, I don't know about you, but when I go to the chiropractor and I know that he needs to adjust my neck and I'm sitting there and then he's like, okay, uh, can you wiggle your left pinky toe for me? And then all of a sudden I'm trying to do that. And then he adjusts my neck and I'm like, that was really gnarly, but also what I needed because I can move my head and... It can be a big adjustment. And if you've been with me in therapy, you know this moment I am talking about. It's the one where we both know that you are sitting in some bullshit and I have to call you out on it because we just cannot keep playing that way. I'm telling you, there are clients and we're working together and I start to look at them like, okay, if you're lying to yourself, I'm going to call BS. After I have enough rapport or after we know that you can receive this challenge from me because there's this point in a therapeutic relationship that to love them is to care for them, to bring healing to them is to call it out. And I do love when we get to this place too, where we can laugh at the absurdity of the things we tell ourselves to keep ourselves sick. That's direct, a direct approach, an indirect process of healing. And sometimes good paths break into greatness or unspoken questions answered in journeying together, sometimes blindly, but always fondly. So what do you think? If you were sitting here today with me in this beautiful space, I feel like I would resolutely look you in the eye. And I would tell you, you don't have to hide or wonder or cover or use your magic to fill the space between us anymore. I would tell you, you are good just as you are. And you would know it. Somewhere deep within you, you would agree. And then we would marvel at this, be stoked on this, so stoked, in fact, that you would want to go and tell others that they are good too. Because when healing happens, it is bigger than you, like so big it can't fit inside you. And so it needs to live in all of us. It's like when you stack up all those champagne flutes and pour into one glass and all the other glasses get full too. This is what freedom feels like. When you don't have to hoard your experiences and fear that there won't be any for tomorrow. Because when you are free, you can give that away. And that's how there is always enough for everyone. And on some other day, when you are in need of a reminder that the world is beautiful and greater than still exists, someone will call you to tell you that they are thinking of you. Or the sun will reflect off the water in such a way that you are sure heaven has come to earth 
and you will remember that our healing is the world's healing and that we are involved in some cosmic ebb and flow of grace and beauty and good. And that will be enough to orient you back to your life, your wild and precious life. So journey on, journey on, friend. Thanks for listening. To connect with me, suggest a topic for the show, or ask a question from your own life you would like to have answered, email me at elise at trailercast.com. E-L-Y-S-E at trailercast.com. You can also see more on the TrailerCast website or follow me on Instagram at TrailerCast, where you can watch the renovation of my vintage mobile office and see more from behind the scenes. Remember, you can subscribe on iTunes and tell your friends. 